This is Basket Case Clubs, CPR Group's podcast where we turn basket case clubs into showcase clubs. everyone and welcome to another edition of Basket Case Clubs. We absolutely love talking about good clubs and where they've got to and how they arrived at the end of their journey but for a lot of them they did start out as basket cases. Joining me as usual is Steve Connolly. G'day Steve, how are you travelling? G'day Mick, I'm really really well tonight and super excited about talking all things legislation. For those of you who are listening in and with whom we've had the pleasure of working in the past, you'll know that term, the term nerd at CPR Group <laughs> is a term of endearment. And when it comes to legislation like the Associations Incorporation Act, the fact is that we love talking legislation. We love talking constitutions. We love being nerdy. Uh, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to talking through some of the probably overdue changes to the Associations Incorporation Act and some of the the seemingly innocuous changes that are going to make lives of volunteers that run clubs and associations with which we work a little bit easier. I would like to start with the story. As, as you just said, Steve, we have been really much, really much, really looking forward <laughs> to this discussion. Look, we're so excited we can't even talk properly. Kind of an English goodly. Yeah, that's right. Now, this will be a discussion that is mainly centred around our Queensland listeners because this is Queensland-based legislation and the Associations Incorporation legislation is state and territory-based. But what we like to do when we talk about this stuff is look for the sames rather than the differences. So there are a lot of similarities between each of the states and territories in the way that association legislation work. And some states have got things better than others. But why we're so excited about it largely is that our act in Queensland hasn't been updated since 2007. So that's a long time ago now. And there were some good changes that made life a bit easier for incorporated associations that came into effect way back then. But now they've gone further and gone to some of the, some of the places that Steve and I have kind of been bitching and moaning about for, for quite a while. So the story that I'd like to tell is back in my uni days on a Friday afternoon, me and my housemates would often wander over the road, literally over the road through a little park and to this beautiful little quaint, no, it wasn't beautiful. It was quaint, but <laughs> bowls club somewhere near where I studied. So we're not going to give away who it is, but if you, if you listen closely, you might get enough hints to be able to put two and two together. But we thought, look, let's just play it safe so, so that people don't get us in trouble saying, you told a story about my bowls club and I was the one who did that. That's not what it's about. What it's about is the fact that this was a great fun place to go and have a forex after a hot uni day at campus, a hot day, and then go and have a beer and then head back home for some awful homebrew that didn't taste nearly as good. But it's just so sad that that bowls club unfortunately is no longer a bowls club and we're left with a building and some bowling greens that at the moment are just overgrowing and filling up with mold and dust because nobody's there because the club was one of those really quintessential basket cases of yep. that went wrong yeah so when they went under i believe the the total debt was somewhere in the between one and 1.5 million dollars that this club was in debt so we're talking huge bucks but but what 
is really sad about that number, wherever it falls in that range, is that there's a whole lot of people, you know, might be small to medium business owners that are never going to see their money again. And that sucks. So what sort of business owners were they? Who, who did the club own money? Other than the big creditors, you know, which were utilities providers and the likes of the ATO. I know that there were smaller creditors. I don't know what sort of service delivery or product provider suppliers they were. But I know that there were some some creditors in there that are going to hurt probably a little more than the ATO. And that's not to say that, you know, it's fine to owe money to the ATO. They're probably a little more forgiving than a lot of creditors because they know if you continue to exist, they're likely to get some money back. <laughs> um, but, but what really frustrates us is that we see too much of this kind of thing happening. And we're talking about a pretty extreme example here, sure. But we see too much in the way of really crappy financial decisions made by volunteers who were put in charge of managing the money of incorporated associations. But until now, there hasn't really been any recourse. So a management committee member could make terrible financial decisions while in office and then walk away and, you know, kind of brush their hands of the, the, the troubles that they're leaving behind for that club. And never would they get a tap on the shoulder to say, hey, you know how you made those decisions that led to our club becoming insolvent or you know how you made that decision to incur debt knowing that our club or or in a position where a reasonably careful and prudent person would know that we are insolvent well now you've got to answer for that And, and that's one of the biggest changes that we're really happy to see in this legislation and as i said only during a meeting last week we think that it's probably overdue that one particularly because insolvent trading is so I was going to say frowned upon. It's worse than frowned upon. (laughs) It's just such a big naughty no-no. And it's because of exactly what you said. If you, if you make a purchasing decision, knowing that you are not able to pay your debts, if they fall due, then you're, you're culpable for that. And you shouldn't be able to hide behind the protection of incorporation. Like, like in Queensland, we've been able to, other states have had this right for longer. And obviously corporations Mm. legislation has had it right all along. But that puts little businesses in jeopardy. And as you just said, some of the suppliers will have been mum and dad type businesses that have made a a supply in good faith to that bowls club. And that bowls club has entered into that agreement knowing, or as you said, they should have known that they were Mm. never going to be able to pay that money back to that supplier. And we don't say that because we supply to small clubs, Steve. It's because no business should be put into that position. And that's why insolvent trading legislation is so strict in Australia. And and we should probably identify here that there was also a lack of diligence applied on the part of the management committee members in relation to an employment or contractor engagement. And and there was at least one person doing the wrong thing in this situation and, and siphoning money off for their own benefit. And when one of our consultants went in and, and started to ask the prudent questions, the management committee kind of shied away from the answers that they should have been giving. And, and again, we hear this story time and time again, where the other management committee members say, oh, yeah, we thought something was wrong. We thought that we should have asked that question, but they don't. If there is any inkling that you have as a management committee member that the wrong thing is happening, you ask the question because you're accountable for asking that question. There's an expectation and, and indeed an obligation on you to ask that question. And it's not the treasurer who is at fault if something like that happens. 
the yep. entire management committee is accountable for the financial management of, of an association. The treasurer, okay, might be responsible for doing the do, putting the books together and doing the reporting. Yep. And if they're doing their job right, then looking into the future and doing, a, doing good budgeting. But the management committee can't just blame the treasurer for that stuff. They have to speak up. And now with this change, it, it's, it's heartening to know that there's another reason for them to, to do that because now they do have a bit of skin in the game. And that's a really interesting point that shows, again, how everything in governance ties closely together. So while we're talking about changes to the Act, which are mostly going to be reflected in updated constitutions, we're talking about money. And so money is a major part of your fiduciary responsibilities as a director of a, of a company or as a management committee member of a not-for-profit incorporated association. And there are some other really important changes, as we alluded to. So this change will take effect come the 30th of June, 2021. So we've got 12 months between essentially when the amendments to the Act were passed in Queensland Parliament and when this particular duty on management committee members to prevent insolvent trading will take effect. So the Office of Fair Trading or the Queensland Government has taken approach through this amendment of the legislation to bring about a long list of changes, but instead of them all taking effect immediately as of you know, the 16th of June 2020 or soon thereafter when the Act was reprinted, to take account of those changes that apply straight away. They're making the lives of volunteers and keeping up with the changes a little easier. And this points to the fact that to be an incorporated association is far easier in terms of compliance requirements than being a public company limited by guarantee. But it's it's an effective means of establishing a legal entity separate from the decision makers, the, the management committee, and separate from the members of the, the club or association. But this is some really important change that in line with the other legislation around the country puts a greater degree of responsibility onto the the decision makers. So some of the other changes that'll take effect, uh, sorry, some of the changes that take effect straight away include things like the fact that you'll, Rules don't need to provide for general meetings to be held by technology. They I can have. I wonder why. So no surprises there, but That's a good, good a good change to again keep up with the way that business is done in 2020. Uh, simplification of the winding up process, which already isn't particularly complicated, but essentially, if if a club or association has no debt. At any time, it can simply apply to the Office of Fair Trading for voluntary cancellation of its incorporation. So that means that we don't need to go and pay an accountant or auditor to complete a final financial statement for the association. As long as we're up to date uh, with our reporting, we don't have any outstanding previous reports and we don't have any debts, then we can simply apply to the Office of Fair Trading for cancellation of the incorporation which is great because sometimes an organization does reach the end of its useful life and the members decide it's time for us to pack up and stop doing whatever we're doing and give our assets to some other organization with similar objects and that process is a little easier now which is great one of the seemingly innocuous changes someone asked me about penalty units and said you know so what is this for maximum penalty units or maximum uh, 20 penalty units and so on and in Queensland the penalty unit is the same 
means of determining what fine you'll get if you get a speeding fine. So each of our penalty units, I think it's about 133 bucks at the moment. And some of the maximum penalties in the act have been increased to 20 penalty units. So if I'm right, and I can see that you're calculating, <laughs> you're doing a search there. <laughs> but if I'm right, it's, it's a little over 2,600 bucks that you can be fined individually as a management committee member for not doing the right thing. So, and that can, the, the maximum penalty units vary depending on the breach, but things like being late for your annual return to the Office of Fair Trading, things like being late for your AGM, not providing documentation that's requested by members reasonably within the confines of your constitution. So things that management committee members are obligated to do right. If you do it wrong, you can get a fine and there can be some significance of that fine now. The one I'm just going to jump now to the changes that won't legally come into effect until two years from now. So by the end of June, 2022, yep. and that's the one that has also been a real bugbear for people who mm. get into internal disputes. So for some reason, I don't know whether it's the, bat juice that's still floating around in the air from those idiots who had rural bats in China. But for some reason, we've had a lot of conflict resolution and team building because it's the flip side. You know, conflict resolution implies this, this conflict. We've got people at each other's throats. Team building means, well, let's try and stop that from happening in the first place. And if it is, let's work towards a better outcome. But the problem is that if you've got a prop, an internal problem, and even if that's a, 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 some mistake that your management committee is, well, mistake or something malicious that they've done wrong, and you've got a problem with it, you can ring the Office of Fair Trading or whoever it is in all of the other states and territories and complain all you like. But all they're going to do is say, uh, no, 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 that's your problem. You've got to sort that out. So mm -hmm. even if they've breached the Constitution, which is directly linked to the Act, that fair trading's not going to step in. If they want to escalate it, there's no court of arbitration. It's straight to the Supreme Court. And every time we read about it, it's costing each side north of 35 grand a pop. So is it really worth I loved that story about the lady who apparently served recycled coleslaw at another bowls club. And she didn't, but that was what people had said, you know, a plate of untouched coleslaw came back and she served it up. That's not what happened. But that was fought in the Supreme Court. And that cost both that couple, the the lady and her husband, and the club, you know, odd fifty odd grand a piece. Was it really that valuable that they would invest a hundred grand fighting coleslaw? So what I love about that is that if you spend tens of thousands of dollars to gain readmission, you know, court ordered readmission to an incorporated association that has an annual membership of a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine how icy it would have been? Oh, she's back again. Do you know what that costs the club? So, no. Steve, tell us about how that's going to change. What we're going to see from, as you say, June 2022 is a requirement for not incorporated associations. Not to reserve coleslaw. <laughs> no, they shall, thou shalt not reserve coleslaw, <laughs> even if it's untouched. Eight of the act. <laughs> <laughs> so there will be an obligation on incorporated associations to include in their constitution or rules an internal mediation, uh, internal grievance procedure, which must provide for mediation. So this is the sort of stuff that we've, in the last decade or so, seen included in national governing body member protection policy documents where there is typically an avenue for mediation and really 
good dispute resolution, uh, you know, has as one of the important principles dealing with an issue at the lowest possible level. And that is what the government are trying to achieve here. They're trying to have little disputes that are internal to an incorporated association dealt with at that level, rather than people having to spend tens of thousands of dollars, as you say, to go and fight it out in the Supreme Court, which let's face it, is a bloody waste of time for the Supreme Court. They've got far better things to be arbitrating <laughs> on than that. Yeah, look, and that's all really important because for the most part, there's no, there's no definition of a way to solve a dispute or a grievance in a constitution or in a, in a set of rules in Queensland. And that mm. largely is where the problem arises. We, if we don't have a way to deal with it that we can easily find and then easily interpret and easily apply, then they've got to take the next step. And unfortunately, that means making it up as they go along, which is, well, let's call our peak body. And how many times would Bowls Queensland of Bowls, or, or Bowls Australia, for instance, been asked to step in to adjudicate on those oh, matters? Yeah. And for them to say, actually, guys, that's your problem and you're either going to have to sort it out or take it to your government and then they go to the government and fair trading says we thank you for your inquiry however you need to escalate this to the supreme court so it's really good that as you say let's get in at the lowest level and try and fix things quickly because just to read that to say right myrtle's got a problem with ian and that one's on one side one's on the other side you know one's the goody and one's the baddie and it depends where you sit who's who but if there's nothing that says to start with, you guys need to get in a room and actually talk about it. Because if you don't do that, we're not going to the next step. So that's mm. really important and can be amazingly successful, especially if you can then have a good mediator, somebody who's experienced in, in being able to understand how these people have arrived at the positions that they have. So they're really trying to get the underlying interests in people taking the, the reasons that people have taken the positions rather than focusing on the positions and people just being at loggerheads the whole time. It's always so emotional, isn't it? Mm, yes. always such Because a... we're people, Steve. Yeah, and, and but then we see, and, and this is something that we've touched on a couple of times previously, but people really, I think for the main part in clubs, try to do well by the organisation and you know improve it for them having gotten involved. But so often someone else in the club disagrees with their point of view. And or all their of interpretation sudden, of what's best for the club. Yeah, and then over time evolves this strong position that each of those parties take and I think eventually it can and we've seen it turn into just a almost like a vendetta where anything that especially if two of these people are on the management committee where they'll just disagree with one another for the sake of disagreeing with one another and, and it's any politically charged environment we're going to see that I'm thinking to you know the times I've been in council chambers during heated debate <laughs> <laughs> or watch question time when they behave like kids don't i was gonna say that <laughs> wouldn't have been honest because i have far better things to do than watch question time <laughs> but often that it's it's the distance that makes those grievances get so much worse if the people just yeah. stopped being in their own echo chambers with their own side of the argument and yep. actually got into a room like this will now be required of them then hopefully it'll mean the grievances do get resolved far quicker and they don't escalate to the point of bringing a bowls club unstuck. 
So a lot of the other changes that we're talking about and that are coming into effect with the changes to the Act beautifully align with the, the four key duties of directors in any organisation. So the way that we define them, if we use the proper terminology, is the duty to act in good faith and for a proper purpose. Number two is the duty to act with reasonable care, skill and diligence. Number three is the duty not to misuse information or position. And number four is the duty to disclose and manage conflicts of interest. So when I'm in a workshop scenario, I summarize them a little bit easier than that. I summarize them down to three and I say, you've got to act with diligence. You've got to act in the best interests of members and you've got to act within the law. So that kind of does summarize the four of them. But if you look at the changes that are coming into effect, like uh, not to profit from precision is one of the one of the changes. Well, that's beautifully aligned with what number was that? That was number three, the duty not to mm. misuse information or position. So I'm not allowed to learn something by being involved as a management committee member or a director or whatever you call me and learn some information about what's going on that I can then use to, for personal financial gain or for the, or for the financial gain of one of my close uh, family members. Then if you take that to the next step, if I do have an interest in a contract, for instance, that this club's going to sign. So a, a simple way to think about that is let's take a bowls club that's going to build a new shed. If I'm on the management committee and you are my brother and you sell sheds, then I could give the contract to you. And that's fine for the club to enter into a contract with you. But I have to declare an interest in that contract because you're my brother and you would stand to financially gain if the club was to purchase and have a shed installed by you. So what's really interesting quickly to jump in there is as well as any material personal interests needing to be declared at the management committee meeting at which the management committee is going to be considering the decision in which you have a material personal interest, a material personal interest also then needs to be declared at the next general meeting of the incorporated association under these changes, which is really promoting transparency and accountability of the committee, isn't it? It is, yeah. And wouldn't it be good if we'd had these sorts of laws in local government? <laughs> For, yeah. Oh, we do. <laughs> oh. And look, maybe that's a good point to start the, the wrap up in that there are a lot of people who learn what they know about politics from being involved in incorporated associations and then take that somewhere. But it's, it, it would, won't it be good when we've got a bit more information? Now, I'm all for conciseness and having nice, tight, constitutions that say everything they need to and not too many words. However, the expense of having a few more words is well worth it if it gives you clarity when you need it. So when there's a problem, I want to go to the constitution and find the answer that I'm looking for. And I, I get the feeling that a lot of these changes are going to have that effect. Yeah. And I think the other thing to keep in mind here is that this is quite daunting for a lot of management committee members of incorporated associations today and we're really touting the message to people in those positions don't be fearful this is really just ensuring that incorporated associations in queensland have to abide by the same good governance good business principles that everybody else has to abide by so don't be fearful we're certainly here to hold the hand of organizations and, and their volunteers that want to do the right thing and the office of fair trading really are there to help you as well 
say something else then. You just didn't know what I was going to say, did you? Get from them. No, no. Hanging on every word. Well, I but really yeah. hope that this means that all of the officers at Fair Trading actually learn what they should know and then can <laughs> actually answer questions correctly the first time rather than leading people down completely the gu- uh, up the garden path. <laughs> oh. Okay, so the I was going to... direction. I was going to ask you for your one thing that, that people can do now to get ready for all of these changes. So it's don't be scared. And the one that I'll add is when you make the change, even though the rest of these things won't come into effect for a year from now or two years from now, let's do it all in one go. So I reckon take this opportunity now, even though you don't have to have a grievance procedure in your constitution, if you're going to do a new constitution now, let's just bung it in. If you're going to do a new constitution now, let's just ditch the bit about the common seal. Really? Do you even sign anything under seal? So the fact that it's now optional for you to have one, great. You should already have a good section in there about conflicts of interest. You should already be acting as per these four duties of directors and and officers all the time. So Mm. just to add all of those things in in one go, I think is is far better because then you start to get the benefit of all of these changes without having to wait another 12 or 24 months. And then go through the process of having the amendments adopted at a general meeting, submitting them to OFT, spending a bit more money then. Yep. agree completely it's right to do it now and that's certainly what we're doing with all the constitutions that w- that we've been writing since the 20th of june we're incorporating all of these required amendments and what's great about that is it provides an opportunity for management committee members to educate themselves now about those things that are still 12 or 24 De- months away definitely. from taking effect yeah and look that's actually the the most important thing about a constitution review i think is not the document that comes out of it because the document that comes out of it at the end is just words on paper i think that it's actually far more valuable to go through the process and be engaged as you do so if you do want to get help writing your constitution come to us rather than going to a lawyer. I think now I've got some very good friends who are lawyers and some very good friends who are studying law and that's great. However, a lawyer is looking to the law. We look Mm. to the people and it's far more important to understand how your constitution affects the people that comprise your organization. And don't just think of the organization as a thing unto itself, which Mm. it is legally, it's a legal entity but it's made up by people. So the constitution should support what those people are trying to do. So that's why plain English is really important and clarity even more so. Yep. And we love nothing more than writing constitution. So don't go to anyone else. Come to us. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Steve, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk about constitutions with you. Here we are again, finding ourselves with another excuse to talk about constitutions and skip down the hall, clicking our heels together. Hey, yes. Yep. Likewise, thanks very much for the opportunity to talk legislation on top of constitutions tonight. And I look forward to catching up again next week. Excellent. Thanks, Steve. See you then.